Hey, what's up, everybody? Um, before we get started, I just want to let you know about our first sponsor. Can you believe that shit? Um, Two Foot Parade Records. Two Foot Parade is an independent record label based in Kalamazoo, Michigan, whose uh, mission is to invest in artists without requiring them to give the label partial ownership of their work. So, um, very 2020, you know, very uh, in with the times. They, they get it. They get the struggle. Very anti-Spotify bullshit. Um some of their stuff that they have out, they have the Bobber and Produce cassettes by Pistol Gang, available for purchase on their website. Um, they have a Marietta compilation record available on their website. Um, the pre-order is live for Ness Lake's Low Light cassette. Um, and if you're a band and you're interested in submitting to Two Foot Parade Records, they have submissions through their website at twofootparade.com. Um, they're at Two Foot Parade on all social media. And I think they're great. Um, I've met Gabe personally. Cool cat. I can say that. Didn't mean to rhyme there. But yeah, we're really excited to have a, uh, a sponsor and for it to be a sponsor whose mission that we can actually believe in here in the podcast. Um, so big thanks and enjoy the episode. Yo, time for another episode of Invite the Neighbors. Can you believe that you just heard a commercial on this podcast? We're moving up in the world, people. That's, yeah. We officially make as a podcast $10 a month. Thanks to that uh, Two Foot Parade joining us as our first sponsor. Um, you know, it costs money to host the podcast. Um, but now we're finally in the green. We're like a legit operation. And if you are interested in promoting something through an ad on this podcast hit us up we have very very reasonable rates i promise you um i mean as low as like ten dollars an episode if you want to get the word out about a show coming up or a record or anything just 10 bucks and we'll say whatever you want us to say within reason um and if you've listened to this podcast you know that a lot of things are within reason um stay gold you know we stay gold here but uh anyways this episode is with lincoln lincoln is a sweet fucking band uh, first of all, and they have a very interesting story because they um, kind of like rose to prominence through TikTok. So they're definitely a modern band in that regard. Um, so we kind of talked about what that's like, you know, having a song get huge on TikTok, but then the spillover of people going to Spotify to listen to your TikTok song, but then they still and they stay and listen to your actual the rest of your record. And I promise you, Lincoln is, they're awesome. They are awesome, which we talk about in this episode. I, it's one of those bands where I was definitely gushing over them a little bit, but you know, I like music. And uh, if you want to support the podcast, you know, review an episode, rate an episode on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, give us a follow on Spotify, share an episode with your homies, post about it in your Instagram story. Um, we, we have a Patreon for those interested. Patreon.com slash invite the neighbors. Um, other than that, hopefully you guys enjoy this episode and check out Two Foot Parade, our sponsor. I just I'm just gonna keep saying that because it's it's so cool to me. Anyways, enjoy the episode, guys. There we go. Cool. <laughs> now I I can't start a podcast unless I hear uh, the Craigbot tell me. Understandable. Yeah, so we're here with Lincoln. I don't want to say Lincoln from Lincoln. I'm just going to say Lincoln. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, but yeah, so we'll just, I just want to jump kind of right into it. So Benny and I were talking, um, we both kind of gave your EP, uh, a listen today. Um, it's kind of fresh in my mind and major props. Uh, thank you. Yeah. So I, I was listening and my first impressions was like Pedro, the lion meets like Kevin divine, uh, hotelier ish bad books type thing um specifically like there's this i just want to there's this like really trashy like distorted guitar tone that you use on like a lot of different leads that like that's that's so bad books in like the best way if you know what i'm talking about if not you will i don't know bad books so it's it's andy from manchester orchestra and kevin divine oh right on cool yeah, but they use that sort of guitar tone like in the background of on like this acoustic album that they have. And yeah, it nice. just sounds so awesome. And you did yeah, a really good job with that. Out. Thank you. For sure. Um yeah, Benny was saying how like uh it was good enough to stop them from watching the Sopranos, so that's also <laughs> high bridge. Very. Yeah. Um what's funny is I like a lot of the bands you just mentioned, but like uh I think I think Pedro the Lion is probably the one that I like the most. And I actually didn't get into them until after I made that record because I was there recording it. And my producer was like, have you heard of Pedro the Lion? And I was like, no. And he's like, it's the best emo band of all time. You got to listen to Pedro the Lion. And so I quickly fell in love with them. But I actually hadn't heard a single Pedro the Lion song when I made it. Yeah, I, I just actually got them in, into them in the past year also. Like, I heard uh, Achilles Heel, and I was like, nice. holy fuck. The song, like, you know, the very beginning bands with managers. Like, I'm like, oh, now I understand. <laughs> it, it, it took one song for me to understand why. I think I got, I think I got into Pedro the Lion from a... Uh, I was watching a video that Sea Haven did where they covered Bad Diary Days. Oh. And I was like, oh, I'm hooked. Nice. So good. <laughs> yeah, they're they're impossible not to like. So yeah, one of those bands who you never hear anyone say a bad thing about, really. Yeah. Yeah, and also David Bazan, like his solo stuff too, which I mean, it's kind of like Pedro the Lion because he's the songwriter for both. But uh-huh. you know, that's another thing you just don't hear very many bad things about it. But I was listening to the music that you made, and I was also thinking like. I could see people comparing them also to like front bottoms or uh-huh. like modern baseball, but I don't think, uh-huh. I think that just because of like the lyric and like, and like the inflection of your voice, but I don't think that's an accurate comparison necessarily because I think your music is more interesting and I'm not trying to knock them, <laughs> but I just think it's, I just think it's more interesting and I think it's more dynamic to automatically just say, Oh, they're like the front bottoms just because you have a, a voice that sounds like that. You know, I think your music is definitely more like it's got like the format. I hear a little bit of it. Oh, like thank you. Diverse instrumentation, like the the piano breaks and things like that. They're very theatrical. I just really, really enjoyed it. Took four thank minutes you. for Brian to already drop a take. I know. <laughs> you can't help yourself. I know. I, I see. I'm, I'm getting so much better though at talking shit in a really polite and constructive way. Um, <laughs> i uh yeah i i saw the format <laughs> live one t- not the format uh 
uh, the front bottoms, and it was really, really weird. But I, since then, I've kind of had a thing where I just haven't liked the front bottoms because their crowd was a bunch of thirteen-year-old girls, and I was just trying to get to the front for the band that I actually wanted to see. And I was, and what band was that? Was it say anything? No, it was, it was actually brand new back in the day. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, was, say anything. The band. Dude, I that... won't say anything. I've had Absolutely the chance to see live so many times and never did. So good. Really? Um, yeah, dude. dude. I was supposed to go to, uh, I had a ticket for when they did the Israel boy anniversary tour. Uh, and I had, to, out. I had to drop out because my friend got into a car accident on the way to pick me up for it. Oh, oh no. my God. I, I was at that show and I ate too many weed brownies. Dude. it was way too intense like <laughs> luckily i'd seen them a million times uh humble brag but that was like my record dude in high school that and uh i you know devil and god i'm one of, i was one of those brand new devil and god kids <laughs> but yeah say anything was like especially when i was like writing music and stuff like that i was just like oh my god max bemis is a genius and <laughs> i mean he was you're yeah. just having a uh, having a weed induced panic attack once the, the belt hits, dude. Oh straight God. up, I was. <laughs> it was it was at the it was at the Fillmore, and I remember being super high. And like as we we're walking into the Fillmore in Detroit, like right next door is the Fox Theater, and there was like some super fancy opera or, or there's something going on at the Fox Theater. And as we we're walking into the Fillmore. The Fox Theater show was letting out, and it was a bunch of like obviously rich people in super nice suits and stuff. And I just felt like such a degenerate in comparison. <laughs> I just felt so down about myself. Oh my god! I was, I was I was ripped, dude. It was it was a long time ago. I uh, <laughs> I learned my lesson the hard way. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So Lincoln, I want to ask because I saw that. You know, you were promoting the single St. Bernard, which I have a lot of thoughts on and some questions for you. Um, First of all, my first impression was I thought it was an interesting choice for a single because it's kind of like a shorter song. I feel like it's like the the version that's on Spotify, at least it's like two minutes or something like that. Uh Yeah. And I I thought that was interesting. And I was just curious, like what what went into the choice uh, of that as a single? Well, it's kind of weird because it really wasn't the single. We did two um, what they call focus tracks when we put the thing out because we put the record that St. Bernard is actually on out in 2017, like January 2017. So it's been out there for forever. And before it came out, we pushed, I want to say, Smoky Eyes and then Banks. And um, then just... You know, I like did too many drugs and fell off the face of the planet for a little while and like didn't tour on it and didn't support it. But it kind of because of seems like because of furries and TikTok and all this weird stuff that <laughs> eternally grateful for, uh, it has kind of kept growing anyway. And so uh, the new single was really just um, in response to that. like. Um, we felt like we could do something uh more with saint bernard since people were into it so why not because that was my next question was like because you have like you know you know this but i'm saying for the listeners like you have like millions of plays now on these songs and i was curious like you know saint bernard obviously like 
dwarfs them. There's like 23 million or something like that. And the, the other ones have like one, two, three million songs. And, I mean, plays, which, you know, there's nothing to stick your nose up at. It's awesome. Like, <laughs> absolutely awesome. And the music deserves it, I think. But I was just curious, like, if if those other songs started to get the plays because of the success of St. Bernard on, on, like, those, like, TikTok and other things. Because if so, you know, congratulations. The universe threw you a bone there. Because that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I think it definitely helped. Like, it, I'd just be flat out lying if I was like, no, I don't think. I don't think TikTok or St. Bernard had anything to do with it. But, um, I mean, when we put it out, I had been releasing music on Bandcamp for, like, forever to nobody. To, like, actually nobody. I went back and looked recently at my old Bandcamp stats. I had, like, four albums up, and I think I had 500 plays total. Um, So it was, and most of them were probably from me. Right. So it's like, <laughs> uh, once once we put the record out, because I didn't do anything like that I should have done to get signed. I just got, I just got randomly found by the right people, and I just happened to be lucky, I guess. But um, they helped me make the record and put it out and everything, and immediately uh, I had, you know, because they did a PR campaign and all this stuff. Immediately, we had like 10,000 monthly listeners. And I was like, oh my God, I've made it. <laughs> right. Um, but everything just sort of grew slowly from there until the very beginning of this year when St. Bernard basically took off and started getting like however many thousand streams a day. Um, and so I think, I think the other songs like have, are growing more, quick, more quickly because of that. But like, not much see i think that it's a testament like even if it increased um the exposure of those other songs i think it's just a testament to the quality of the record that like because if, if they sucked like you could have a viral song but if your record sucks you're not going to see the type of growth you know what i mean like like your the music's good so like you if you have <laughs> one thing to bring them in it's it's great because the actual the full product is is quality and it's well thank you yeah so you know however it works like music is one of those industries where it just seems like there's an infinite number of paths to quote-unquote making it and whatever happens just like cool that was your path you know yep yep i agree you gotta go for it whatever it is yeah so where did you where are you from first of all Um, I was born in Nashville, Tennessee. Then I lived in North Dakota for a little while. But ever since I was three, I have lived in and around Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh, okay. Yes, not too far from us, actually. Where are you guys at? Detroit area. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I was just curious, like, where did you, um, where did you record this? Uh, in... In New Jersey, in a old church on a lake, it's a studio called uh, the Barbershop Studios, and um, it's a cool place. I I guess it used to be a venue in like the seventies, and the Ramones played there and stuff. Oh, sweet! And then uh, I think it's the guy who like this is just the story I was told. I don't know anyone there at all. I was like there for like four days, four years ago to record this album. That's it. But what they told me is that the guy who made 
like the technology that enabled Xbox Live to exist. Just like loved music and cashed in on it and made this awesome kick ass studio. So, oh, yeah. So, did you like, did you choose that spot out of like you like the producer that works there? Like, how did you end up choosing that? Place? Um, it, it was pretty much chosen for me uh, because we got a deal because the producer that I recorded with is a guy called Brett Romney's who plays drums in I Am The Avalanche uh, and the movie Life. And I Am The Avalanche's I Surrender band, which is my label. And so they know him real well. And basically he gave him a good rate on recording me. So, But I am going back there to do my full length in January. Oh, dope. Yeah, because yeah. when you said New Jersey, I was wondering if you were going to say the Lumberyard because I know... Uh, that's the only one actually I know of that's in New Jersey, but I think Ace Enders, well, it is Ace Enders studio from the early November, but I think also, I think he works with somebody from I Am The Avalanches in there sometimes also. And is it Vinny Caruana? I think it might, I don't know, I couldn't tell, I'm not going to pretend to know, but I, I definitely have heard those that's two together. Right. Yeah, it's it's definitely Ace Enders, and I'm pretty sure someone from I Am The Avalanches is like kind of like part-time there. But, did um, Ace Enders do the uh, Aaron West and the Roaring Twenties record? I believe he did. Nice. Believe That's an did. awesome record. Oh, yeah. that record was like formative to me as a songwriter, if I'm being honest. I feel like it's so weird saying this about Aaron West and the Roaring Twenties, but I still feel like that first record for sure is a little bit underrated. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, I like that better than like most Wonder Years stuff. So. I'm, like as soon, as soon as You Ain't No Saint dropped and I listened to it for the first time, like I still remember exactly where I was when I heard that song. <laughs> well, you know, it's really cool too. Like, I, have you guys seen the uh, YouTube videos where uh, Soupy would like just go to open mics at like random bars and things like that and would like kind of like pretend it, it was like it was like he was hustling almost but like he would pretend yeah. to be like this nervous guy and he would go up there and then just start playing aaron west songs and just destroying <laughs> That's and hilarious. He's, it's hilarious I love well, the that. concept of aaron west in general is that it's like a performance art thing where he's like playing a character uh-huh. yeah i remember seeing him at like do an acoustic set at like a random warp tour like six years ago or something. And it was like exactly like that. I love oh, Soupy yeah. just doing like method acting. It's like, yeah, I wouldn't expect it, but <laughs> what there a guy. side note, I tried to get them to come on th- this podcast when I had like three episodes total. And, uh, I, cause I went to Bloodfest, the last Bloodfest in Michigan and they nice. were there and Soupy was manning the Wonder Years table, so I was just like very boldly just going up to every band and asking them to come on the podcast. <laughs> and, and he was so cool about it. He was like, "Oh man, I really would, but I'm I'm developing this podcast for the Wonder Years actually, and blah blah blah." I don't know if that ever happened, but uh, maybe it will. Spoiler alert. Nice. Yeah. I'm gonna come back though. Jetty Bones agreed to be on the podcast. That didn't happen. Oh, cool. I'm gonna no, it didn't happen. This was all Bloodfest confirmations <laughs> that didn't happen. But I actually just uh, reached out to her yesterday, so that was the first time I tried to follow up. So, Dude, kudos to me for waiting a year. Me. You just hung out with me at stage F all day, having to evacuate for a fake fire alarm because the band brought their own smoke machine. 
<laughs> That's ridiculous. But uh, you said you said like when you put out that record, you didn't really tour on it and things like that. And you mentioned doing too many drugs, which I can relate. I'm not going to turn this into like a uh, sobriety podcast, but I definitely <laughs> can relate. I've had my own struggles with that, so I commend you for you know being wherever you're at on that journey. You know, and, <laughs> and thank you crawling out to the extent that you have. But I'm just curious. Um, you know, have you done any? playing touring on it since then i mean obviously you haven't recently because of covid and all that but um ha- what kind of support have you been able to do for it um we really did we did five shows sort of spread out most of them in cincinnati or ohio at least um and <laughs> I, no one really showed up for any of them the biggest one was in uh baltimore actually at this place called grateful acres which is this cool, like, it's like a little farm. And th- there was like 40 kids just packed in a, like, garage on this barn. We were playing as a two-piece. I was like, this is so cool. But all the other shows we ever played were, like, to literally nobody in, like, the worst bars and festivals, like, you know, city festivals and stuff yeah. that <laughs> yeah. we could get. So Playing at the beer tent. <laughs> I, I remember we this one show we played at a place called The Rake's End. It's closed now, but it was this bar in Cincinnati that's like famous for letting literally anyone play there. And we played our five song set or whatever. And this guy goes, like, there's like eight people in the crowd. <laughs> so everyone hears him. He goes, so basically you like the front bottoms a lot. And I was like, yeah, basically. <laughs> I actually <laughs> uh, called out. Well, I, I actually found a band. I joined a band because I watched them play. And I mean, the first thing I immediately knew, like, oh, they like brand new and they like Nirvana. But I like <laughs> that was like apparent 30 seconds into their set. But like uh-huh. I ended up shooting the shit with them. And I was like, I'll play guitar for you. They're like, yeah, sure. So sometimes that works out. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, that's not happening anymore, sadly. I keep mm. I keep trying to tell Benny to let me join their band. Um, but this that's We're, neither here nor there. Um, you have to be hazed first before you become a member of Boyfrienders. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I Wait, what's your band? Benny's band's called well he Benny is um band called Boyfrienders and then Boyfrienders, I like it. Yeah, which is Thank you. a really cool fucking name. And then Benny plays drums for my band, which is called In a Daydream, and I'm trying to weasel my way into Benny's band on guitar since my other band broke up. And I like to have two going just to keep uh-huh. my sanity. I think that's nice. the perfect amount of concurrent bands to be in. Agreed. I like having one where I'm the main guy, where I do all the, the the mental stuff and like the the artistic visionary bullshit. I like having that to get my artistic rocks off, but then I like having one where I just get to relax and have fun and just play guitar. That's solid, like, solid that's choice. So you said you were playing as a two piece. Like, what's your uh, what's your full lineup? Um, like, well, that that one show was as a two piece. Um, uh, just because my guitar player like had work and couldn't drive out to Maryland for a show. Um, but, uh, yeah, we played most, we played the other four shows that we played for the record as a three piece. And, uh, that basically worked for the record. 
Um, you know, there's some stuff we couldn't do like just right, but it worked well enough. Um, but in the studio, it's just me and Brett, the producer who plays drums and I play everything else. So it's like, yeah, I, I don't know. My newer stuff I'm doing has like a lot more sounds and stuff on it. So I don't really know yeah. what I'm going to do, but I'll find some way to, you know, make it work. I'm- I'm in the very same boat myself. I just finished recording a record uh, where Benny didn't even play drums. Uh, I had a different drummer who was like on his way out and recorded all the drums for me. And then I basically recorded the rest of the record and showed it to Benny. And we're like, hey, do you want to play drums <laughs> on this? And they're like, yeah. But now we're working on trying to put a, put a lineup together in the middle of quarantine so that when we can actually play shows again we can fill out the instrumentation. You know? Yeah. It's hard being in a band. You get it. <laughs> sort I'm of. Gonna, I'm going to take the reins and kick you out and back everything up to an iPod. So that way in a daydream live sets are just me on stage drumming and everything else is coming through the BAs. <laughs> That's probably a wise move considering my vocals sound way better on record than they do live. <laughs> that's definitely that's definitely the right move (laughs) but uh so is it strange like playing shows like to you said like nobody but knowing you have like millions of plays on spotify like that's got to be like a weird like mental (laughs) that's not really weird i mean the like um so we did play i did play one show in november last year where i didn't play a single song from the record i just played all new stuff i went i went up on stage with a toy keyboard and sat on the ground and just sang these weird songs um and there were like a few people actually there to see me and so i felt bad a little bit but i didn't practice any songs from the record so i was like i don't know how to do that but um (laughs) there's not really a disconnect because i feel like the like numbers on my spotify like those people don't know who i am most of them don't listen to anything but saint bernard it's like this is a tiktok song you know and i i feel like i feel like it just wouldn't make sense if i had this like huge fan base or whatever i'd be i wouldn't complain but i'd be confused so that yeah i get that but you know i think even even so like i said the the record has i think staying power and i Thank think you. like yeah because i will definitely go back and listen to it i was i would you know i was listening i was making some notes and a lot of times uh and this isn't to knock any bands that come on the podcast it's it's just uh you know, we have so many bands that come on. Sometimes I don't have time to like give every band like a thorough listen. Like uh-huh. oftentimes I'll listen enough to kind of get the gist of what it is, uh-huh. and, like develop some comparisons. But yours, I just let it let it run because I was like, oh, I fuck with this. Like this is this is good. So thank you. Yeah, I'm, probably helps you know. that my whole discography is like thirteen minutes. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but you know, I just recently had an episode that I haven't released yet, but I was talking with. uh this guy named Lauren Israel, who's like this record executive that you know, he basically helped discover Jimmy Eat World back in the day when he worked for Capitol Records. And he he knows what he's talking about, let's just say. Uh-huh. And we were just talking about how that's kind of the new move in, in modern society. Like 
you know, or modern music consumption is having like short bursts of music and not overloading people because people's attention spans are so short that it's, it's better kind of to give them just like little pieces of what you're, what you can do. And so that they can more easily digest it. And even if you have like a full length record, it's, it's, it's perhaps better to release it in, in bits, like in single after single after single. And that way, like you can, you can draw in an audience that way, because that seems to be the way that people will, a lot of people want to consume music, but yeah. you can still have the record for the for the people who are like me and other people who really want to have that front to back record experience. So, yeah, yeah. I I kind of wish I could do it in a more conscious way like that. Like, <laughs> I I have so little material because so much of what I write is garbage, um, and I like I I like to think i hold myself to a pretty high standard and so it takes me like years and years just to get one project that i think is good enough to actually put out but yeah if i could do a single you know if i was a singles guy i was like ah tiktok's gonna fucking love this one like (laughs) that would be cool right (laughs) how did how did you even tiktok even get a hold of that song was that something that you put it on there or no, I, I really have no idea. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, like, Just I'm started. curious. Like, how does the how does like licensing come into play? Like, if it wasn't you that put it on there, someone else must have done it. So, like, how how do you get credit for it? I guess. Well, I don't know anything about my like distribution channels. Like, I signed a deal when I was 18 and said, "You guys take care of all that." Um, uh, so I don't know okay. if like. Uh, whatever my distribution is, put it on there or if someone uploaded it. But, um, but yeah, I don't know how it started getting used. People just, um, it was pretty slow. It had like a few spikes and, and now it's not getting used at all, but the streams are still coming in. So. Yeah. Hey, that's, I feel like that's where you really want to see the numbers anyways, because, uh-huh. you know, because then people start listening to the rest of the record and stuff. And that's how you, figure out what the holdover is and how many people who come in are actually going to be a fan type of thing. Yeah. Well, there's that and TikTok. There's like a hundred thousand St. Bernard TikToks and I haven't seen a cent from any of them and streaming, (laughs) you know, doesn't pay well, but it does pay something. So it's like, right. You know, I feel like if you're making any money from like, like outside of touring, if you're making any money at all, like, in today's musical economy, I feel like that's actually a, kind of a good, a good sign. You it's know? a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, really to make it, you have to like, or make it financially. Uh, at, even if you have like millions of plays in like the single millions, you, you know, you're not really making a living off yeah. of that. Yeah. Correct. That's just like, all right, well I have something here. I better get on the road and, mm-hmm. you know, sell some shit. Yeah, which no one can do right now. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you, I mean, are you, what do you do to occupy your time now? Like in order to like maintain your sanity? (laughs) Um, well, I was an Uber Eats driver most of this year. Um, I just recently stopped doing that. Um, cause like St. Bernard is doing pretty good. So I'm like, I don't think I need to be doing this, but, um, 
I, I don't know. I, I pretty much just play music like all the time. Um, I'm trying to get ready to record in January still trying to come up with a few more songs before I go in possibly. So yeah, right now, I mean, life's easy straight, just doing what I want to do basically. Pretty rad. Not too yeah. many people can say that. So definitely something to be thankful for. Definitely. I'm extremely grateful and, uh, anticipating the end <laughs> where I'll have to go back and do something. So yeah. Benny and I will get together and just commiserate about how we hate our jobs. So hell yeah, that's looking forward. <laughs> I'm, I'm over here th- almost seven years into the retail life and I'm loving it. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I won't even get into my job. I've, I've mentioned it before. I hate it, but important work, but, um, yeah. What was I going to ask? So have you, had you had any touring experience? Like, I know you said you, put out a bunch of records on Bandcamp. Have you ever toured on any of that stuff? No, all that stuff was really like, like, I mean, there's a reason that I took it all down. Like, it's not good. I was just in my parents' basement with like microphones and various noisemakers. But I toured once with my friend Joe's blues band. We went out for a week and I was like, this is hell. Like I was not built for this. So I always sort of dreaded touring. I probably (laughs) will tour in the future if there's any like money whatsoever in it, but it's, it's like hard for me. I'm not, I'm really a homebody and like, just like, you know, (laughs) staying home. So maybe you need to like, just shoot for the level of fame where you can have a tour bus and have a driver. Yeah. That should Maybe be someday. Cool. <laughs> you don't start touring until you're big enough to have a bus. I like a that. jet. Yeah, there you go. The Lincoln G6. That'd be dope. Yeah, and a submarine. <laughs> submarine. Yeah, for going like you know, you have like a, a Japan tour and you take a submarine there. That'd be yeah. That'd be a boss move. Honestly, I gotta travel in comfort and style. I'm very sensitive, so. Yeah, <laughs> and on, and honestly, the comfort and style that takes precedent over you know artistic integrity. Any definitely, of that, definitely. Like selling yeah, out is that. selling out is the move. If I can't take that a, is the move. if I can't take a private jet from New York City to Newark, New Jersey, you know, a drive that <laughs> only takes forty minutes, but I take a jet anyways. Then what's the point of making music? What's the point of being alive at that point? I mean, right there it is. There's the question. I saw uh, a post the other day, like from, I think it's Ellie from the E Word podcast. They said, like, you know, I wake up, I'm paraphrasing, but it's like every day I wake up, just hope, just dreaming of the hopefully one day I could sell the fuck out or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. That'd be great. You know, the, the, the best thing would be like if you could make a sweet record you're super proud of, but then like, there's like 30 seconds of a song that's like super catchy and then it get used it gets used for a commercial and then it just gets used on some like AT&T campaign and you can just sit back and chill and count the stacks without really losing your artistic integrity that would be kind of that dude that would be awesome that would be great you you've inspired me my next record is going to be <laughs> all experimental ska except for a 30 second car commercial in the very middle yeah, you can like literally say like progressive auto insurance as a lyric. Yeah. 
But <laughs> speaking of, well, not speaking of which at all, I was going to say speaking of thematic influences, but that's not one. Uh, <laughs> I, I was just curious, like I, whenever I talk to someone who has something out and they're kind of in the process of writing something else, I ask this question a lot, but like, just curious, like thematically, like if there's any differences compared to like, you know, like what were you writing about with, with the first release and kind of like, how is that different from kind of like what the, what the content is you're working on now, either lyrically or, or like musically, thematically or whatever comes to mind. Um, well, I'm like uh, pretty nervous about what I'm doing because I, I really like it. I'm really, really into it in a way that I've not been into something I've done like this before, but um, <laughs> uh, it seems like, it seems like it's the thing uh, that won't have the kind of like maybe accessibility of the first record. Like when I was writing that, I was really, really like angsty and like um, heartbroken. And I was, you know, it, it was yeah. all about a relationship really. And my newer stuff that I'm doing isn't, some of it's about relationships and such, but um, I don't know. It's, I don't know if I could really say what it's about. It's kind of about nothing. Uh, it's kind of intriguing though. I think I know <laughs> what you mean though. Like I know what the scare is with that, because if you look at the formula, like at almost all the, like the most famous, you know, pop, music or you know the really huge stuff it's all it's all relationships it's all about relationships and i don't uh-huh. understand it i don't understand like you know i'm not saying i'm above it like i've definitely wrote written a lot of shit that's like about relationships i just don't understand what it is in human nature that like one draws us to it and then makes it seem like anytime i sit down to write something it's you know not every time but i use i write something about a relationship but like why is that so common compared to other themes? So like whenever, you know, something is written that's really good and it's not about that, it's just it's got like an extra layer of intrigue to me just because I'm like, mm. oh, okay, this is different. But I understand what you're saying because it's like clearly the formula works of writing about those common themes. So when you stray from it, it's like, oh, is this going to work? Yeah. I I mean, I think it's really it's just really universal like everyone's afraid of being alone pretty much. And I mean, that's why I fell into that stuff. I had this like deep fear of being alone when I was, you know, 13 or whatever. So I listened to a lot of fallout boy. That's like, that's like, you know, what got me started writing that kind of song. But, um, I just have like experienced a lot of weird, real, adult stuff now and like on some level i feel like confused about it uh yeah which is why i'm like i don't really know what these songs are about they're kind of about nothing but they are somehow really meaningful to me so i don't know we'll see i know i know what you mean though because like i when i was writing my record um, and you know, specifically writing the lyrics to it, like I, I'm very OCD, and I like to have themes to things. And I, 
was able to come up with like a loose sort of theme for it to kind of tie it all together. But even even that felt kind of disingenuous at times because I'm like, not every song is like exactly about this thing, and it, it's mm-hmm. just like I don't. Am I just slapping a theme on it because I want to do that really badly, or does this actually work? And how much of it is it really about that? Um, but I, I think you know, it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to have one. You know what I mean? Like it can be about a bunch of different things and like as a collective thing, not really be about anything because at the end of the day, it's just going to be about like what you're going through at the time, you know, like your experiences. So it's going to be a snapshot. And like, once you look back, you know, years and years from now, when you have like your full catalog, your life's work of music, you know, each album, even if they don't have like individual themes at the time, their themes will be, you know, like what you were feeling at those times. And that like kind of becomes the theme, you know, Yeah. Um, at least that's kind of how I see it anyways. No, I, I completely see what you're saying. Um, like after my EP came out, I kept writing songs. And so there's this whole record that might never come out. I might do it at some point of songs that are like more similar to what I was doing then. Um, and then, you know, I was like busy just ruining my life in various ways. And um, it, I didn't get to record those. And so now they're kind of dead. And yeah. I've got this new thing that I'm personally way more excited about. <laughs> um, but I don't know. Like, I take these songs to my label and they're like, <laughs> they're like, we don't know that this is like the best way you could present this stuff like maybe do that record first and then you can do this weird thing you want to do and and that would probably be like a better career move and i'm like i you know what i totally agree (laughs) no but the thing is i think they're right that would be a better career move um but how can you really do that though you know what i mean like you kind of have to yeah i feel like if i tried to like do things from a like money career perspective it just wouldn't work like right it it has to just come naturally to me anyways like i don't know yeah i think yep. when you're a good artist which you are because you've proven it with your uh, you know that last release it's okay well, you, don't you. you don't have to agree <laughs> I'm, I'm saying it. i'm okay. saying it. Fair. <laughs> yeah but uh I I think I would be the worst record executive ever because I would just say yes to anyone who's proven. I just want to see what they're going to do next because I think the worst thing you can do is try to recreate what you've already done. Like who gives a shit? Like that's my opinion. Anyways, like I don't want to hear the same thing again or like a different interpretation of it. I just, I want to hear like, I want to hear the artist who's sick of what they've done and is just really excited. I, I want to hear what they're excited about and I want to hear that they're excited in it. You know what I mean? I want them to like go full bore into the next thing, but that's just yeah. me. Well, I hope more people are like you. That's very hopeful. For they're me. not. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it doesn't seem like it. <laughs> I don't have very many friends. I'm just a weirdo. Well, same no, here. Around. <laughs> <laughs> my guitars are my friends and Benny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Live. That's, that's putting it a little, a little strongly there too. Yeah, we're associates. 
business partner. Yeah, yeah. For a business that makes eight dollars a month from Patreon. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) But uh I'm curious. Um I got a few minutes left here and then we'll wrap it up. But I was just curious, um you know, I thought there's a lot of cool like I was saying earlier, there's a lot of cool different um parts in those songs. Like like I said, there's like cool chord progressions, like, you know, cool like piano sort of bridges where it just kind of drops out and things it just like definitely had like some dramatic like in a good way like sort of theatrical elements to the instrumentation and i was just curious if like we kind of went over the obvious um influences or like comparisons or whatever but i'm just curious like if if you were influenced musically by anyone that maybe wouldn't show up or maybe people wouldn't think of like you know like what what are some influences for your music that you think maybe might not come to mind immediately. Um, for that record, I don't know. It's really, really like to me, it's really firmly couched in the like emo revival thing. Like when I hear it, I, I hear, uh, I hear modern baseball and the front bottoms and, and Joyce Manor and, and all that stuff. Um, Cause that's really, I mean, I was in that world, dude. Like, yeah. Um, so, but I mean, you know, I listen to lots of different music. I've always listened to lots of different music. So, um, <laughs> like all I listened to as a kid was country music radio and I was in love with it. So, yeah, I actually like my first like favorite song was thunder rolls by Garth Brooks. Oh, great <laughs> song. Dude, yeah, I would sing it all the time. And uh, two of a kind working on Full House by I think Alan Jackson or some shit. <laughs> yeah. Just sing that song all the time. <laughs> That's awesome. But uh, what about the what about the new stuff that you're writing? Would you say it's any different as far as influences? Yeah, um, I don't listen to like a lot of like loud guitar music anymore. I do still sometimes, but I like don't really identify with it the way I used to. Yeah. Um I'm into a lot of different stuff. Uh um like my if I had to give you top five art I would say the Beach Boys, Joni Mitchell, Kanye West. Oh yeah. Um fuck, I might say Fallout Boy still. Um uh I guess I'll give you a top four. That's fine. <laughs> but Beach Boys, I was like, oh yeah. That oh yeah. I am that obsessed sounds... with the Beach Boys. Yeah, that's I, I watched the Pet Sounds documentary on like Amazon Prime or something and I was I was hooked. I'm like, oh, he's a crazy person. This is awesome. But like in the best possible way. Nice. I haven't seen it uh two years ago, three years ago. It was given lsd and suddenly liked the beach boys so that's my story yeah i mean watch that documentary sometimes it's i can't remember what it's called but if you google it it's just like just google like beach boys pet sounds documentary and it goes like in depth into like what um brian's writing process was and like what his process was in the studio and how he was just like a pioneer for like so many different types of things in the studio that like as he was saying them, people were like, this isn't going to work. Or like, this is crazy. Just, <laughs> he's just a complete genius. Yeah, and, definitely. 
And yeah, it was, it's amazing. Cause like at first listen, you know, you listen to like, wouldn't it be nice? And you just like, Oh, this is just like a nice, easygoing surf rock song. But then like you dive into that record and you really like parse it out and like figure out all the different layers. And given that it was done in like the sixties, it was yeah. a complete masterpiece. It, it's just amazing. I could go on for a while about that. Yeah. And I, I mean, even beyond pet sounds, the, the beach boys are just, the most incredible band to me like they they have some unreleased material that is in my opinion better than anything on pet sounds which is one of my favorite records ever so it's like just uh they're just so deep and true and real and i love the beach boys so yeah kanye too is another benny and i uh, have had many a chat about mr west i'm yeah. a, i'm a big fan and honestly yeah. like I I will go to bat occasionally if if the timing is right about how I think, you know, when people want to just say he's completely crazy or he's off his meds or shit like that, I I don't agree with that. I think he is kind of a a misunderstood genius, but I I agree. Yeah, he I don't think he should be president. I'll say that. Probably uh, not. <laughs> I think there's a middle ground though between he shouldn't be president and he's off his meds. You know what I mean? Like I think yeah. you can say that like he just because when he's rambling, not everyone can understand what he's saying because they're thinking on a different level. Yeah. Uh, he just he was on he put it this certain way, like on the Joe Rogan podcast where he was saying like yeah. when he speaks, it's like a symphony because he's like all these different <laughs> ideas at once that like when you contextualize them all and put them together, like it actually makes sense what he's saying. You can't listen. He doesn't speak in like traditional, like linear linearity. You have to kind of like wait until he's done saying everything. And then you kind of figure out how it all blends together. And it usually does, which is the yeah. crazy part. I loved that podcast. It was, it was so good. <laughs> <laughs> I was trolling through the comments on YouTube, just like arguing with people saying that he's off his meds or like, you really fucked up <laughs> with this one, Joe. And I was like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> It was like the best episode ever, maybe for me. So it, yeah, it was absolutely fascinating. I, I also, loved it. my view of it is the man made Jesus. So if <laughs> he says like one stupid thing a year for the rest of his life, like Jesus makes that okay for me. Yeah. That's an interesting choice. I feel like everyone has their like Kanye record that they're in love with. I love Jesus. It's top three, but. Yeah, Dark like, Twisted Fantasy for me because I'm a cliche, but Jesus number two. I like I, like I think the reason why I love it so much is because of the fact that like you look at it through the context of 2020, almost everything sounds like that album now. But you look yeah, at it, like, when it came out, it's like insane that an artist at that high of a level and like with that amount of popularity put something that sounded like that out. Yeah. Like you don't get tired of the creators like Igor without Jesus, you know what I mean? Like all this other shit. I you don't get say. any Tyler the Creator without Kanye. Period. Yeah, that's a very up. good point. And Pharrell. Yeah, and I don't know. It, he's so good. He, it's just we could go on and on and on, but I have to actually maintain my obligations for my day job. So excellent. Good luck. Do you got any more questions? No, I think I'm all good. I'm very happy that it's a running thing on this podcast that a lot of times we just end up with a Kanye discussion. Yeah, and it's usually <laughs> towards the end, I feel like, too. I feel like That's this great. happened before. Wow. 
it is has, the best. Co-host, I'm going to make it your job to just go through all the episodes and, and uh, timestamp the Kanye discussions. <laughs> I'll I'll timestamp every Kanye discussion. I'll timestamp every time I bring up Greta Van Fleet, and I'll timestamp yeah. time I talk about how much "Be Here Now" by Oasis is the worst album ever made by any band. So. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, when this podcast gets big, those are going to be like the memes for sure. Or God, like the I drink the, the drinking game. It will be like when does Greta Van Fleet get shit on? When do we talk about Kanye? And when does Oasis get shit on? Like, yeah. God, remember that? Remember the BDP episode where I went on like a ten minute rant about that fucking album? I do. I think I went to the bathroom and came back. It was great. <laughs> every, every everyone just listening to me spill my guts. <laughs> But anyways, Lincoln, I really appreciate it. And you said you're making a new record. So, uh, I, you know, feel free. Don't be shy. Come back on. We'll talk about it when you uh, when you release it. We can kind of dive into that one. And hell yeah, cool. you, I'd love if to. you're ever. Yeah. And if you're ever like in the Detroit area, like we are happy to we do episodes in person when people are around. So we'd be happy to do that and we can cool. help you get a show if you need even. So just just let us know. Awesome. Well, I'll keep in touch with you. For sure. All right. Well, then, yeah, we got a few episodes in front of yours to release, but I will let you know as soon as yours is next up and we can do the whole promotion thing. Right on. Thank you. Cool. All right. You guys take it easy. You All too. Right. Later, guys. It was good talking. See ya. Yeah. Bye. Uh, don't you just love awkward endings to a podcast? If you do, then you'll love Invite the Neighbors DIY Music Podcast. That's another episode, obviously. Um, hopefully, you guys enjoy that. Sorry about the audio. Um, you know, these dis- Discord's a bitch. It sucks um, in terms of like getting audio levels and things like that. And trust me, I've tried doing it where I record with this quality that you hear right now. It doesn't really change anything. Um, I'm just kind of sticking it out. And once we're back to doing in-person episodes, the quality will be better. And that's just kind of is what it is. Um, anyways, thank you for listening. Check out Two Foot Parade Records at twofootparade.com. Um, rate review the episodes, this episode of the podcast, or rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever, Google Podcasts. Um, give us a follow on Spotify. Follow us on Instagram at Invite the Neighbors, Twitter at ITNPod. Um, we're on Facebook. No one, I think, even knows that. But we're there. So support us. We're trying to grow this thing. Um, more people who listen, the better it is for bands to come on, the more people hear about them. So I'm just trying to do my part here. And uh, Benny is too, and they're not watching The Sopranos. Anyways, thank you guys. And you'll hear me rambling on again in about a week. Cool. See ya. <laughs>